My dear friends, I'd like to begin by wishing you all a very blessed Feast of Pentecost. Now, the epistle for Pentecost Sunday is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. When the days of Pentecost were accomplished, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a mighty wind coming, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them parted tongues as it were of fire, and it sat upon every one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with diverse tongues, according as the Holy Ghost gave them to speak. Now there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded in mind, because every man heard them speak in his own tongue. And they were all amazed and wondered, saying, Behold, are not all these Galileans? And how have we heard them every man our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Aleamites, and the inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews also and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we have heard them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God and the Holy Gospel. is taken from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my words, and the word which you have heard is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things have I spoken to you, abiding with you. But the paraclete, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring all things to your mind, whatsoever I shall have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth do I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let it be afraid. You have heard that I said to you, I go away, and I come unto you. If you loved me, you would indeed be glad, because I go to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it shall come to pass, you may believe. I will not now speak many things with you, for the Prince of this world cometh and in me he hath not anything. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and that as the Father hath given me commandment, so do I. Those are the words of today's Holy Gospel. And there appeared to them parted tongues as it were of fire, and it sat upon every one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. These are words taken from the epistle of today's Mass in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In 1939, a young German officer named George was captured with his platoon and confined to an old factory building. During the first night of their capture, they were terrified to hear screams coming from outside the factory all night. As George lay there unable to sleep, his mind quickly drifted back to his young wife, whom he had married just before being sent off to the Polish front. She had assured him of her prayers, but at the time this meant little to George. In his own mind, he was a mighty German soldier, and he did not need God or the church to make him a man. He made it very clear to his wife that he would have no talk of God in their life or in their house. And as they departed, he just took her promise of prayers with a smile on his face 
and a look of pity in his eyes. He didn't uh, tell her not to speak of God at that time, but just left her to her own demises as he thought. Well, when he was actually captured and sent into that factory, his mind went back to that day when his wife promised that she would be praying for him. During that night, he heard one of his fellow soldiers start to say the Our Father out loud. And George found himself joining in on the prayer. And he drifted off to sleep thinking of how things had changed due to the adversity in his life, where he was now saying the Our Father, and he was remembering with joy that his wife was probably praying for him too at that very moment. The next morning, though, a group of six soldiers, George being one of them, was called out. They had been being called out by groups of six throughout the day before, and this group was no different than the others, so they expected to receive the same treatment which they had heard coming from the walls of the factory, namely the men screaming and being put into what they thought was torture. Well, the first thing they had to do was empty out all their pockets of their belongings. And George became uneasy when he realized that one of the things in his pocket was a rosary that his wife had placed there. He had forgotten that she put it there, and now he was a little nervous and humiliated in front of the other Germans to pull a rosary out of his pocket. He became almost enraged when one of the soldiers picked up the rosary and held it aloft for all to see. He thought the man was making a mockery of his wife's religion. And the Polish soldier, though, cried out, Look, boys, it's a Catholic. Immediately, he returned all of George's confiscated goods to him, and he began to treat him with honor and friendship. The leader of the Polish group actually came over and told George, I am a Catholic too. He was able then to keep all of his possessions, and he and his little group were left in peace long enough to be liberated by their fellow Germans sometimes later. A few months later after that, when he was on his first leave of duty, we can only imagine the joy that came to his little wife when she heard related to her the story of how the rosary had saved him from humiliation and most probably from death. But most of all, she had unboundless joy when she witnessed the conversion in her beloved husband. She saw him approach the sacraments for the first time in many years and begin to live his life as a good Catholic. On this Feast of Pentecost, my dear friends, this story is a touching proof and a reminder to us of how Our Lady and the Holy Ghost work together to save souls. From the moment when the body of Christ was formed in the most pure blood of the Immaculate Virgin by the sole operation of the Holy Ghost, the Fathers of the Council of Trent tell us that it was from that moment that the Holy Ghost was pleased to use our Blessed Mother as the channel by which he would funnel all graces into the world. St. Alphonsus makes this clear in his work, The Glories of Mary, when he writes that from the moment that this Virgin Mother conceived the Divine Word in her womb, she acquired a special jurisdiction over all the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Now, for us to understand what this means, we have to remember that, of course, there's no distinction between the persons of the Blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
But that is a mystery, and it's impossible for our limited intellects and our minds to understand fully. So in order to understand it a little bit better, we separate into different categories, different works for each of the three persons. That is why we refer to God the Father as the Creator, God the Son as the Redeemer, and God the Holy Ghost as the Sanctifier. We apply to God the Holy Ghost all the works that we see happening here on earth for the salvation of souls. And when we see those graces coming down to man, when we see the Holy Ghost giving graces that were earned by God the Son so that we might live forever happy with God the Father in heaven, it shows us that all three persons are working for our salvation. But we put most of the emphasis, again, so we can understand it better, on the Holy Ghost. And that work of his, that work of sanctifying the souls of men, began in earnest on that first Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Ghost descended upon the apostles that day and began the work of sanctifying the faithful. But where do we find the apostles on that day? We find them with our Blessed Mother at prayer. Just as when the second person of the Blessed Trinity came into this world, we find him with the Blessed Mother in the cave at Bethlehem to begin his work of the incarnation and the redemption of mankind. So too, when the third person of the Blessed Trinity came down as tongues of fire, he did so with the assistance and in the company of the Blessed Mother. The apostles who were so fearful on Holy Thursday night that they ran and hid and abandoned our Lord when he needed them the most, they were now gathered together, men of earnest prayer, there with Our Lady in the upper room. In the epistle for today's Mass, we read simply that they were all together in one place, but we know from sacred tradition that that one place was the upper room where the Last Supper had taken place, and that they were all together with our Blessed Mother. It is true that they had the doors shut and locked, that they were not completely changed yet from the fearful men they were on Holy Thursday, but the main difference between then and now is they had Our Lady with them. Praying in union with her was when the Holy Ghost decided it was the best time to infuse them with the gifts, the fruits, and the graces that they would need for their apostolate, which was to convert the entire world. God, my dear friends, does not change. At the moment of the Incarnation, on that first Pentecost Sunday, and throughout every moment of our lives, if God is going to give us the graces we need to sanctify our souls, He's going to do through do so through his blessed mother Mary. He ordained that from the beginning he would send the archangel Gabriel to Mary when she was still a humble virgin and see if she would comply with the great message of the incarnation. He would not begin the work of our redemption until he first had Mary's cooperation to take her part in that great work. And then for our sanctification, again, he would not begin that work until the Holy Ghost came to the apostles who were united with our Blessed Mother. 
what confidence we can have then in going to our Blessed Lady to see how greatly she is blessed by God Himself, to see that He Himself limits Himself, as it were, or holds back His actions until He sees that He can perform those actions in union with our Blessed Mother. And so, in our lives then, if we are in need of any grace, of any help from God, let us go first and foremost to our Blessed Mother. We saw in the life of George the soldier how the Holy Ghost and our Blessed Lady worked together even in that man's life. It was the Holy Ghost that inspired or gave the grace to that good wife to put the rosary in George's pocket. It was the Holy Ghost that had given her the gift of her Catholic faith and wanted and the desire to have George be a good Catholic along with her. So you see the Holy Ghost working all the way along. But the means that he used to get George to see how important the faith was and to answer the wife's prayers was nothing more or less than the rosary of our Blessed Mother. And so we can see that even in that life, the Holy Ghost prepared all the grounds, so to speak, and it was through Our Lady that he accomplished the salvation of that one man. Go to our Blessed Mother then in your own daily lives for any grace that you need from the Holy Ghost. Imitate her in the virtues you see her practicing, which made her so pleasing to God. Most especially, we can practice her docility. Docility is that readiness to accept any control or instruction. And our Blessed Mother was perfectly docile to the Holy Ghost. Whether it was receiving the word that she was to be the Mother of God with all the great exaltation of being the Queen of Heaven, or standing at the foot of the cross as the Queen of Sorrows and the Sorrowful Mother seeing her son breathe his very last, whether it was the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, Our Lady always said, in her heart, God's will be done. In a world that would tell us that no one tells you what to do, do whatever makes you happy, change whatever you want in your life or your way of thinking or your way of existence, as long as you be you or as long as you are happy, Our Lady stands out as the great contradiction to that spirit. Our Lady never once said, I'm going to do what I want to do and not what God wants to do. Never for even the split second of her life did she ever give in to a thought or a temptation that she was going to do what made her happy and not the will of God. Throughout every moment of her in, from her immaculate conception all the way to her glorious assumption in heaven, she did the will of God perfectly. And now, over 2,000 years later, God is still blessing mankind through her hands. God is still showing how pleased he was with that life by sending every grace to this earth through her immaculate hands. Let us then, seeing what that docility did for her, Strive to be ever docile in our own lives, to seek to do the will of God, no matter what this is for us. And when we find it difficult, to call upon our Blessed Mother, to tell her that there are certain graces that we need to be able to do the will of God better, 
and to ask her if she wouldn't mind obtaining those graces from the Holy Ghost, who we know will be so pleased to hear her request and to help us to sanctify our souls. There is no greater power given to man than was given to Our Lady to dispense the very gifts and graces of God himself. Let us then, with confidence, pray to her, not only in this month of May, which is a month most specifically dedicated to her, but every moment and every day of our lives. And if she helps us to have that spirit of God's will be done in our own lives, then we can look forward to a blessed eternity when we will thank her and the Holy Ghost for all that they have done for us throughout every day of our lives here on earth. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.